The first episode of the BBC series, Planet Earth 2, starts out showing a three-toed pygmy sloth, the slowest mammal on the planet as he hears the call of a female sloth and this lovesick sloth gives it everything he's got to try to find this female because he wants a mate. And well, it's not quite the same without David Attenborough's narration. The male three-toed pygmy sloth, he hears the cry of the female and he makes his way with a turn of speed as he works through the mangroves to find her. It's something like that. And, and he's just going so slow, and it's so interesting to see the uniqueness of God's creation as this sloth just moves so slow, going as fast as he can. And then he gets to a huge barrier of water, and then he starts swimming to try to get to her. And that's really pleasing to watch a sloth swim. If you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. It'll reduce your stress. It's pretty amazing. This sloth just swims, and he's, he can swim a little bit faster, not much. And then he gets to the other side, and he starts climbing up the tree. And then, of course, she's no longer there. <laughs> he was too slow. Well, of course he was too slow. He's a sloth. You know, we're in this series we're calling Kryptonite, and... It's really based on the seven deadly sins in church history. And today we're gonna to talk about the sin that gave the slowest mammal on the planet its name. It's the sin of sloth. Now, usually when we think of sloth, we think of laziness, but it's much deeper than that. It's much more profound than that. It's really not even about that because the word sloth comes from a Latin term, acedia, which means without care. It means living life aimlessly, living life without being intentional. And you can work really hard and waste your one and only life because you're spending all your time on things that don't really matter, things that won't really last, but you're really busy, your schedule's really crowded, but you're wasting your life. The sin of sloth is not about laziness, it's about not understanding the value of time. It's about not understanding the meaning of each moment because life is made up of a lot of little moments. And if you're careless, you will miss your moments. Let me give you a definition of sloth. It's failing to do the right thing at the right time. Life is all about timing. It's failing to do the right thing at the right time. You can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it's all wrong. For example, if I would have asked Chris to marry me on our first date, that would have creeped her out a little bit. I mean, just think about it for a moment. I mean, you're taking someone out on the first date, and then they come to the door, and you just drop to one knee with a ring in your hand. And you say, would you make me the happiest man on earth by becoming my wife? That's creepy, right? I mean, some of you who are single adults, I know there's someone out there that's going, that actually happened to me, and it is creepy, yeah. If I would have asked Chris to marry me on the first date, it probably wouldn't have gone so well. Second date, it worked perfectly, but first date. You see, timing is everything, and you can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it becomes all wrong so everything in life is about doing the right thing at the right time. 
I want us to open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter three because the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us with experience how to seize the moment because the opposite of sloth is being able to seize the moments of your life and really live those moments all out. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us through our satellite campuses. Everyone worshiping with us through our online campus and our broadcast ministry and all you guys here in the Woodlands, it's great to see your faces. You were one church, and I know a lot of you are worshiping with us on the other side of the world. Everyone is welcome at Woodlands Church, and we're built on the word of God. It's not about Carrie's truth, it's about God's truth, and it's God's word. I can't change one life, but what Chris and I have done for 26 years is just teach God's life-changing word week in and week out, and that's the secret to Woodland Church. Woodland Church is a place where lives are changed because God is real and his word is alive. So follow along with me. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Dear God, I thank you that you have made everything beautiful in its time. But some of the things, Lord, that we go through look so ugly and feel so painful that it's hard to see any beauty in it. But Lord, we know that you can take everything and make something beautiful out of it. And so, Lord, today... I know that you're here with us right now and that you're with everyone who's connected with us wherever they are in the world and you know what they're going through, Lord. And I believe with all my heart that you can bring healing and strength today as only you can. So Lord, teach us today how not to waste our one and only life but to really seize the moment so that you can do all that you want through us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time for every activity under heaven, but there's a right time for it and a wrong time for it. And if I'm gonna seize the moment, I need God's wisdom to know the right time. I need God's wisdom to do the right thing at the right time because so many times we do things at the wrong time. We say things at the wrong time. But God wants us to give us the wisdom to do the right thing at the right time. And to do that, first, I have to see the moment. Before I can seize the moment, I have to see the moment clearly that God has me in and what this moment calls for and what God wants me to do in the moment that I'm in. I've got to see the moment clearly. So what I want us to do is go through Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse by verse, because there's so much in here. In verse 2, it says, there's a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant, and a time to harvest. Now, this is knowing the difference between the beginning 
and the end of something. And this is really important. I mean, can you imagine a farmer who goes out to plant and he tills up all of his fields and then he plants all of his seed into the soil, but then the next day he comes back with all his harvesting equipment and he harvests everything up that he planted the day before. How dumb would that be? He would just get a lot of seeds and dirt and he would ruin his future harvest. That's because it's planting season. And then can you imagine a farmer when it's harvest time and the waving wheat fields are so tall, the corn stalks are so tall and he comes out and instead of having the harvesting equipment, he tills the land up, destroys his crops and then plants seeds. How crazy would that be? But that's exactly what a lot of us do in our lives and relationships because we don't understand the difference between planting season and harvesting season. And maybe you betrayed your spouse's trust and now you're telling the truth. You're planting truth and you're wondering why you're not harvesting back any of your spouse's trust. That's because it's planting season. You gotta keep planting truth and planting truth and planting truth and planting truth. And if you try to harvest during planting season, you're gonna ruin the harvest that is to come. You can't worry about the harvest in planting season. You just gotta keep planting, keep planting the truth, keep planting the truth, keep planting the truth, and you will harvest, you will harvest a life of integrity, you'll harvest a heart of wholeness, and you'll probably harvest your spouse's trust back eventually. But this is planting season. And if you try to harvest, you're gonna ruin the future harvest that's to come. But then I would say some of you have gone for the dream that God has placed in your heart and you've stepped out in faith. And you've been planting, but you haven't seen any results yet. And you're trying to harvest, but it's not harvest time. It's planting season. You gotta invest. You gotta plant. You gotta give it all you've got. It's all about giving out and planting and planting so that you'll be ready when harvest season comes. Then there are times in my life when God wants me to harvest in a blessing. He has a huge blessing waiting for me, and he wants me to harvest it in, but I'm just too busy planting little selfish seeds, little seeds doing what I want for my own life and planting these little seeds with my head down and not looking up to see the huge harvest that God has for me, so focused on my own little needs, planting these little seeds, and it's harvest season. And God has this huge blessing for me, but I'm not bringing in the harvest. And all farmers know that harvest is hard work. The harvest season is a lot harder than planting season. That's because you have to harvest everything in when the harvest is ready. You can't wait until it's convenient for you. You can't wait until it feels right for you. You harvest whenever the harvest is ready. If you wait around for when it's a good time for you, the harvest will be ruined. And so you gotta work as hard as you can to get the harvest in when the harvest is ready. And for some of you, God says, it's harvest time. It's harvest time, but you're committing the sin of sloth. You're not getting the harvest in because you're really busy. You're working really hard, but it's all about little things in your own life that aren't going to last 
when God says, I want you to look up and see this great purpose and plan that I have for you because I've got a blessing for you that I want you to bring in that's gonna make a difference. You gotta harvest it, not when you're ready, not when it's convenient for you, but when the harvest is ready. You've gotta know the difference between planting and harvesting. And God wants to give us the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Well, look at verse three. It says a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. This is knowing what to take out of your life before you add things into your life. You see, some of your, your schedule is so crowded and you're working so hard, but you're committing the sin of sloth because you're committed to 100 different things and you're half-heartedly committed to those things and they won't make any difference in the long run. Instead of being totally committed to a few things that make all the difference in your life. And so you've got to kill some of the things in your schedule. In fact, some of you got to kill a lot of the things in your crowded schedule so you can make room for the things that are most important and you can be totally committed to those things. You got to kill some things so that you can add some things. And oftentimes, when a marriage is hurting or a family is hurting or a relationship is hurting, they try to heal too quickly. Sometimes, Someone is trying to heal the relationship before they kill the destructive behaviors in their own life that caused the hurt in the first place. And instead of trying to heal, it's time to kill the selfishness. It's time to kill the bitterness. It's time to kill the lies. It's time to kill the anger problem. It's time to kill those things off so that the healing can begin but if you try to heal before you kill, you probably kill the relationship because you'll just open up some gaping wounds that need to be healed but can't be when the hurt keeps happening. And then for some of you, it's time to heal today. It's time for you to heal because you've been holding on to a hurt far too long. You're letting someone from your past who hurt you keep killing you today, killing your joy and your passion for life, hurting your relationships today because you're holding on to a hurt from the past and God says it's time for you today to let go and choose to forgive, whether you feel like it or not, for your own sake, for your future's sake. It's time for you to let go and choose to forgive and give them over to God and let God take care of it, but you give it to God and you choose to forgive because it's time for you to heal. And I say today, let the healing begin in your life today. Don't wait another day. It's time to heal. Well, I want us to look at the next verse because there's so much in here about seizing the moment and understanding the moment that you're in. In verse four, it says, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Now notice the time to cry comes before the time to laugh and the time to grieve comes before the time to dance. And this is really important because sometimes we try to dance before we grieve. And if you try to dance before you grieve, then it will turn into a dance of depression or a dance of a lot of dumb decisions. And some of you are right there right now because you didn't grieve a loss somewhere in your past. You kind of stuffed it down. It just went on, and that's what you thought you were supposed to do. And, and now that grief is coming out in a lot of bad decisions, and that's what happens. Grief is real, and it has to be expressed. It's a gift that God gives us to be able to heal. It feels awful. It feels painful. 
It hurts, but that is the hurt that brings healing. And you've got to grieve your losses. Come to the place where you admit it, you grieve it, and you feel the brokenness so God can bring blessedness out of it. And if you don't grieve your losses, it's gonna come out maybe in a midlife crisis or something crazy eventually, and you'll have to deal with it. You can't dance until you first grieve, but God can turn your mourning into dancing. When you begin to let God break your heart and grieve the loss, then God can begin healing, and he will turn that mourning into dancing. And for some of you, I know there's someone out there that God is telling you today, you've been grieving, and it's time for you to dance. And maybe you thought the music of your life had died, and you'll never dance again, but God can take all of the deepest hurts of your life and turn it into a dance floor upon which you can dance the dance of joy. And for some of you today, God says, it's time to get your dancing shoes on because it is time for you to dance because I'm turning your mourning into dancing. You have been mourning, and now it is time to dance, to take that step and get on the dance floor of life again and dance to the music of life. Look at verse five, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. This is knowing when to be tough and when to be tender. And for those of you who are parents, you get this real clearly. There are times as a parent that you need to be tender and hug them and say, it's gonna be okay. And there are times when you need to be tough and you need to say, I'm gonna be tough here and I'm gonna say no and I'm not gonna be one of those parents that, steps out of the game just because it gets hard when you get to be a teenager. No, I'm gonna be right here because I care enough about you and you need to know that I love you and I care about you and I'm gonna be tough on this. And I'm saying, no, I'm in the game. I found that when my kids were growing up, there were times when I'd be really tough because I was angry and upset and instead of it being for their good, it was just getting it off my chest when I should have been tender. And then there were some times when I was tender committing the sin of sloth because I just didn't feel like going to all the trouble that it would take to really enforce that, to really be tough for their sake like I needed to be. It's knowing when to be tough, when to be tender, and stepping in and being who God calls you to be. Um, but I know that that relates to all leaders as well, parents and leaders, and it relates in all relationships. But look at verse six, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. This is knowing when to hold on and when to let go in life. Sometimes we hold on too tightly to a relationship or to a dream and it just crushes life out of it. When God wants us to give it to him and let him do what he wants with it, to take it away and give us something better or take the selfishness out of it and give it back to us to be the pure dream that's from God. And I know for some of you it's time to let go and give something over to God. You're trying to control it. You're trying to hold it, and it's too big for you. It's time today for you to let go and give it to God. I know God is saying to someone, it's time for you to let go of worry. It's time for you to let go of fear. It's time for you to let go of that burden that's too big for you and give it over to me because I can hold it. And then I know for someone today, God is saying to you, it is time to hold on. It's time to hold on. 
It's time to hold on to me with all your heart. I know you want to let go. I know you want to turn away. I know you're about to give up, but it's time for you to hold on today. Don't turn away from me. Turn to me, even in your anger and your hurt and your frustration. Bring it to me. I can handle it. God is saying it's time for you to hold on. Don't you dare let go. You hold on to me with all your heart. Then in verse seven, it says a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, a time to speak. This is knowing when to take a stand and stand out and when to sit down and be part of a team. There are some times when I stand up to be noticed out of pride and insecurity, when God wants me to sit down and step out of the limelight and raise someone else up. And then there are times when I sit down and I don't stand up because I'm afraid or I don't feel like it. And when God calls me to stand up and to step out and to lead strongly. But I've got to know the difference between the two and do the right thing at the right time. But then in verse eight, this is a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is knowing when to fight and when to surrender. There are a lot of times when we fight for control in relationships, we fight for control with God and try to control things we were never meant to control when God wants us to surrender to him, to his care and control. And then there are, there are times when we surrender and we give in to our cravings, to our flesh, we give in to sin when God wants us to fight with his power and his strength. And so it's all about seeing the moment clearly. And if I'm gonna see the moment clearly, I have to hear God's voice clearly. In Proverbs 3, 6, and 7, it says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. As many times we assume that we know what to do. Well, we've done this before, so I, that's what I'm supposed to do. But God's speaking to us all the time. We just have to tune in. We have to tune in to those waves of God's communication because he's speaking to us all the time, but he speaks to me in a still small voice. And if I'm running too fast and if I'm too busy and if I don't slow down, I don't listen to that voice in my heart. If you're a Christ follower, God speaks to your heart. You're a new creation, but we can live out of our flesh. We can live based on our circumstances. We can live based on our pressures rather than our purpose. But when I just stop, and I don't just answer. When I stop and I don't just do, I can hear God speak in my heart and I can live from my heart. But if I just answer, I may be defensive. It may come out of my flesh. If I just make a quick decision, it may come out of selfishness or fear or insecurity. But when I just stop and I listen, I feel God impress upon me. And then the more I listen, the louder it gets. And sometimes it can be a little confusing. Sometimes it can be really quiet. But the more I listen, the more I learn to recognize his voice, the clearer it gets. And, and the big key is don't assume that you know what you're supposed to do. Don't you dare assume in relationships that you know what they're thinking and what you're supposed to do. You'll never be able to do the right thing at the right time. Timing is everything. It's all about listening to your heart and God speaking to your heart and letting God move you, letting God change you, letting God give you his wisdom. 
Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, and he'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the wisdom and the strength to do the right thing at the right time. But I want you to see a second thing. Stay in the moment. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says he's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now focus in on that phrase. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Every moment is beautiful in its time. At the right time, every moment is beautiful. Even the moments that look ugly and feel so painful, God can make something beautiful out of them. The problem is, when I'm going through pain and I'm in a moment that just looks so ugly and feels so painful, I wanna move past that moment. I wanna hurry past that moment. I don't wanna run to God and stay in that moment. I wanna run out of that moment because this can't be right. I wanna hurry up that moment. And I start thinking, if I get through this problem, if I get through this pain, everything's gonna be all right. And I, I'm not present in the moment. And I'm not letting God make something beautiful out of it. When we try to move ahead of the moment, we miss out on the beautiful thing that God wants to do in our lives. See, you were made for this moment. How do I know that? Because you were born during this time. I mean, you could have been born a 1,000 years ago. You could have been born 100 years from now. But God chose that you would be on this planet at this time. So I know you were made for this moment because God doesn't do anything by accident. Everything is for a purpose, including you, and God placed you on this earth at this time. So you're made for this moment in time, but this moment is also making you. You gotta realize this moment is making you into who God wants you to be so that you can be made for this moment. This moment is making you, and so all that God is bringing you through even the things that are so ugly and painful and awful on this earth. God is using all those things to make something beautiful out of it, make something beautiful in you so you'll be made for the moment to be who God has called you to be in this moment. But the problem is I try to run ahead of the moment. I start thinking about the moment that's ahead, and if I can get through this moment, then everything will be okay. But I want you to notice the last part of 311, he's made everything beautiful in its time and God has placed eternity in the human heart, but no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's saying that we know there's an eternity. God placed eternity in your heart. So we know there's gotta be more to life than the here and now. I think everyone knows that deep down. It may be really covered up with the most hardened atheists, but deep down, they know there's got to be something more to life than just this here and now, and then it's done. It's got to be, God put that in our hearts but we can't understand and fathom eternity. We have this sense of eternity in our hearts, but we can't fathom eternity. I mean, there's just no way our human minds, our finite minds can grasp something so infinite. And when we see a moment in our lives on this earth that looks so ugly, feels so painful, it's really hard to understand. We just have to understand that our understanding is limited because all we see is the here and now, but God sees eternity. God doesn't operate on central standard time. He doesn't operate on eastern standard time. He operates on eternal standard time. He has an eternal perspective, and so when we see something so ugly and awful in our lives, that's all we can see in the here and now, 
But God sees the whole picture and how he's making something beautiful out of the ugliest thing. Doesn't make any sense to us in the moment, but God has an eternal perspective. And sometimes it feels like God is moving at a sloth's pace. Would you agree? Sometimes it feels like God is committing the sin of sloth. I mean, let's be honest. You know, we think, God, we're waiting on you. Is this painful moment gonna last forever? When is it ever going to end? When are you gonna ever come through for me? Is it gonna be planting season forever? When is the harvest coming? Sometimes it feels like God is moving at a sloth's pace. But God is never too early. He's never too late. He's always right on time. In 2 Peter 3, 8, it says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Saying God is not slothful, God is not slow, he's right on time. And the moments that seem all wrong because of eternity will be made all right. Everything changes in the light of eternity. Just think about the eternal time zone that heaven operates under compared to earth's time zone. It says that a day in heaven is like a thousand years on earth. A day in heaven is like a thousand years on earth. So I did the math. For every hour that passes by in heaven, 41 years and seven months pass by here on earth. For every hour that passes by in heaven, 41 years and seven months passes by on earth. That in and of itself is a game changer. Our grandson Jude Samuel is in heaven, and most of you know that, and we miss him every day. Our hearts break every day that we can't be with him. But we're comforted to know that his grandma Mary is with him, taking care of him. We're comforted to know that this last year his granddaddy, Damon, went to be with him, and he's there with him. But then I think about Jude's parents, Josh and Kelly, and if they live an average lifespan on this earth, 50 more years, that's a long time to be apart, but in heaven, that's only an hour and 15 minutes. So Grandma Mary's just babysitting for an hour and 15 minutes until his parents get there. And Chris and I, maybe we got 30, 40 minutes, hopefully. And we'll be with him. His nanny and I are coming. And it'll be like 30 minutes to him. That changes everything. It gives you just a little grasp of how we don't grasp eternity. But eternity changes it all. The things that are the ugliest here God is taking even those things and making them beautiful. God took the ugliest moment in human history, the crucifixion of his divine son, the ugliest moment in history, and he made it the most beautiful thing for us, our salvation, our ticket to heaven. So God can take the ugliest moments in your life and somehow make something beautiful out of them. And some things we won't be able to see till we get to heaven. We won't be able to understand it till we get to eternity. Doesn't make any sense this side of eternity, but it'll make all the sense in the world on the other side. And maybe right now you feel like God is being slothful, that you feel like this painful moment's gonna last forever and you're wondering if God will ever come through and you wanna move ahead of the moment. Stay in the moment because God's still got a plan. And maybe you're thinking, when will I ever graduate? 
Will I ever get married? Will we ever have a child? Will we ever get out of debt? Will we ever get through this problem? God says, hold on, hold on, because I'm coming. I'm going to see you through. Maybe somebody needed this verse. I know someone does. Habakkuk 2.3. I believe God wants to say this to somebody directly today. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. They will not be overdue a single day. God's purpose is never late. He's never early. He's right on time. He always does the right thing at the right time. It's just we can't understand it. But then there's a third thing. Seize the moment. You have to see the moment clearly that you're in, and then you stay in that moment so God can use the moment to make you into what he wants you to be, and then you'll be ready when your moment comes to seize the moment. What I'm talking about is those divine, defining moments that come into our lives And usually there are five, six, or seven defining moments that come into everyone's life that if you seize that moment in faith, it changes everything. I can think of five or six defining moments in my life that have changed everything. I can think of five or six defining moments in this church that have changed everything, that if we wouldn't have seized the moment, we wouldn't be where we are right now. We have to be ready to seize those moments. You gotta see it clearly, Stay in the moment that you're in. Don't run ahead of God. But then when you see that defining moment, you seize that defining moment. The only way you can really seize your defining moments is you have to understand how short life is. In Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, God reminds us of how short life is, so we'll make the most of each moment. It says here that your days are counting down. And that's good to know so you can make your days count. If you understand how limited your opportunities are, how limited your time on earth is, then you wanna seize the moment that God has given you. Billy Graham was asked late in his life, what about life has surprised you the most? And he said, it's brevity. He said, it's gone so fast. And that's so true. Life goes so fast. Now, if you're a parent of a preschooler, I know that the days are long, but I'm telling you, the years are short, and it will go fast. We've got to realize the moments we're in are limited so we can seize the moments. Now, the defining moments don't mean that the circumstances are perfect. In fact, timing is perfect when circumstances aren't. You ought to get that. Timing is perfect when circumstances aren't. God brings defining moments into our lives, and it's like the harvest. You can't decide when the defining moment is. God brings them into your life. The only choice you get is whether you're gonna seize the moment or you're gonna let it slip. That's our choice because defining moments never come when circumstances are perfect. Timing is perfect when circumstances aren't. That's the way it always works. If you're waiting for perfect circumstances to seize your defining moment, you'll never seize it because circumstances are never perfect. You have to seize your defining moment when that moment comes. 
In Romans 5, 6, it says, when we were utterly helpless with no way of escape, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Notice that phrase, just the right time. It was just the right time when Christ came, but everything looked wrong. All the circumstances were wrong. It says, when we had no use for him, he came. While we were still sinners, he came. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it seems like that he would have come when everybody started really turning to him, that he would have come when we started cleaning up our act. But while we were still sinners, Christ came and gave his life for us. But it was just the right time. It wasn't about the circumstances. It was about divine timing. It was about a defining moment, and you're in a defining moment. I believe with all my heart this is a defining moment. And the circumstances aren't perfect and some things aren't convenient, but it's a defining moment. I don't know what the defining decision is, but for some of you, it's to receive Christ. Uh, you haven't received Christ. And sometimes I talk to people who say, Carrie, uh, I'm gonna get saved someday. I'm gonna trust Christ someday and give my life to him. But right now, I'm just having a lot of fun. I'm just doing a lot of crazy stuff. I'm partying a lot and everything. So but one day I'm gonna do that, is if they can choose to come to Christ whenever they want to. Well, the Bible says we can only come to Christ when the Holy Spirit draws us, and the Holy Spirit draws us and draws us and draws us, but if you say no enough, over time, that voice gets a lot quieter. And so you have to come to God when he draws you, and if you've never received Christ and he's drawing you, then you know this is your defining moment and it's the only moment you know you have. You can't just choose whenever you come to Christ. You gotta come to Christ in your defining moment. And if you're thinking, well, maybe, you know, he stopped speaking to me and he hasn't because it's bothering you. He's bothering you right now. And it's time. This is your time. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. For some of you, it is time for you to get connected to the church, to join the church, to get involved in a ministry or a mission, Stop sitting on the sidelines. It's not gonna be a convenient time for you, but it is God's time for you, and it will change your life. For some of you, it's time for you to start trusting God in your finances. You never trusted him in one of the most important areas of your life, and it's time for you to start planting, and God promises you that you'll harvest more than you plant, and you'll get to see God being real in an important area of your life. It's time to let go and start putting God first. And for some of you, you, you've been blessed during this time when people are going through hard times and why do you think God has blessed you? So you can be a blessing. And it's time for you to start doing what God's called you to do, to be the giver that he has called you to be. And some of you are going, I can't afford to give. We're going through such a tough time and I wanna say you can't afford not to. You want God to be involved and your life and in the most important areas of your life and you wanna see God work in those areas. I don't know what time it is. Maybe it's just time for you to minister to that person at your workplace that's going through a hard time and you've kinda of let it go and you've ignored it and, and God's saying it's time for you to risk it and just be there for them. Or maybe it's time for you to invite a neighbor to church. What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no but it's time. It won't be convenient, but it's time. Maybe the whole reason God has placed you in your workplace is so that you can be Jesus to people around you, and it's time. It's time. 
And I believe with all my heart it's time to heal. I believe right now, today, is a healing day at Wilden Church. Did you know that not every day is a healing day? In Luke 5, 17, it says one day, as he, Jesus, was teaching, there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Isn't that interesting? The power of the Lord is present for him to perform healing, which implies there were times the power of the Lord for healing wasn't present. The power of the Lord is always there because Christ was there. But sometimes God was moving in a way that it was a healing day. And this was one of those days. And God just impressed upon me. He impressed upon me just yesterday that this is a healing day. This is a healing day. And there are different types of healing. There's physical healing. And I believe with all my heart, God heals physically today. We've seen amazing miracles where God has healed people physically in a powerful way. Hey, God can use doctors and, and hospitals and medicine. He, he does so often in the healing process, but God heals. And we've seen God heal instantly, miraculously, in so many ways, so many times at Woodland Church. And then God heals emotionally. We know that God heals emotions, those wounds that are so deep that no one else can even see, and God is here to heal today. We believe that God heals relationally, and God is here to heal relationships today that only God can mend and put together. And God heals spiritually, and that's the greatest kind of healing of all is when God changes a life and brings someone to know him and heals us and forgives us of our sins. That's the most powerful healing. And sometimes there's immediate healing, and I believe with all my heart, there's gonna be some immediate healing today. Sometimes God just heals. When we pray, God just heals instantly. And it's just God out of his mercy and grace. Other times, there's delayed healing where we pray and God begins the healing process. And the healing takes place over time. But then there's ultimate healing, and that's heaven. See, I don't know why God doesn't heal everyone physically on this earth. I don't know why God doesn't heal everyone immediately when we pray. We leave it to God. It's in God's hands. But I know this. Everyone who gets healed on this earth will eventually die. But there's ultimate healing in heaven. And that ultimate healing in heaven is that powerful healing where everything, everything that hurts is healed. Every tear is wiped away from our eyes. And there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more sickness. And Jesus is the light of heaven. And I want us to bow our heads right now and I wanna pray for healing. I don't know what healing you need in your life, but God's here to heal. He's right there to touch your heart and touch your life. We're gonna have our pastors and ministry teams and prayer warriors out at the fountain. If you wanna have them pray for you for healing, they'll do that. They'll anoint you with a little bit of olive oil, which the scripture says that's a, a thing that we're to do when someone wants to pray with someone for healing and it just represents the Holy Spirit that he's the one that heals, no person. And God hears the prayers and they're powerful and he heals through that, but it's only God who heals. But let's bow our heads right now. And dear Lord God, we come before you and we just sense that your power to heal is here right now. Your power to heal is, Lord Jesus, going forth right now and it's, 
in homes of people who are connected with us. It's that our satellites is here at the wilderness. Lord, you're here to heal. And, and so we pray today that you would heal relationships and you would bring families together in ways that there's no way that we could do it. And Lord, we pray that you would heal bodies physically. In your name, Jesus, as only you can. That you would heal emotions and heal minds and hearts that are broken. And Lord, we pray that you would heal physically and spiritually and emotionally and relationally, but especially, Lord, we pray for spiritual healing right now for all those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they realize this is their time and they would just say this prayer silently to you right now. Dear Jesus Christ, heal me spiritually. Forgive me of all of my sins and come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I just give up to you. I'm tired of trying to control everything. I need your forgiveness, your healing, your strength, and your salvation, and I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I want you to be the Lord of my life from now on. Today is my salvation day. Today is my spiritual healing day. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Was this your healing day? Is this your healing day spiritually? If you receive Christ, he's in your life. He will never leave you. We wanna know about it. Please tell one of our pastors or or let someone know if you're online, just let them know by clicking that place as I raise my hand to receive Christ. We just rejoice in that. Now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us, and we give because we want to. We give because we love the Lord, wanna put him first, and we love what God's doing through the ministries and missions of our church. And how do we give, guys? You know, take out your smartphone. Everybody take out your smartphone right now, and you just text the word give WC to 77977. Give WC, one word, to 77977. Or at home, you can go on your computer, wc.org slash give. Or on your phone or at home, you can also uh, go to the app, which has the sermon notes and the bulletins and all the activities coming up and devotionals. It's a great app to put on your phone. Or you can mail in your check or you can give on your way out, but just give out of a habit, out of worship, because you love Jesus. I wanna point out one of our missions we need to really be praying for, and that's, we have two missions in India. We have planted over 50 churches in the last few years in India, and would you pray for our pastors and our churches there as, as COVID is just ravaging the country and they're out of oxygen, all these things, and it's just, you know, we're so grateful that here, you know, that it's gotten so much better, and, and it's just, you know, praise God, but there, it's just gotten really worse, and we need to pray for them. Pray for They're ministering like crazy. And then we have a ministry that takes women out of human trafficking there, and we have a little school that we teach them literacy and job training, and it makes all the difference so that they can get a job and get out of this life that just has entrapped them. And so pray for them as well, and our ministries there in India as we give to the Lord. Now, I want us to stand, Woodland Church. Let's stand because I believe with all my heart, God is here to heal, and we're gonna claim it, and we're gonna thank him, and we're gonna pray, and we're gonna sing, and, and you know, sometimes God brings that healing when we sing, and when we sing, and we believe, and we trust. It's like, God, I believe, help my unbelief, and we sing it to him. God begins a healing in our lives, and I believe God's gonna do that right now. So let's sing to him with all of our hearts. First, let's give him a praise. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life. We can never thank him enough. 
And then expect God to do great things in your life. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That was a quote from the first missionary to India, William Carey, when everyone told him, no, don't go. There's no need. Don't go. And he said, I'll do it with God's power because God's called me. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Let's cheer for him again and thank him, Woodland Church, and let's sing with all our hearts. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodland Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.